Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Rebecca Bastian. Rebecca is a writer, artist, tech executive, mentor, wife, mother, and aerial acrobat. Love that. She has held leadership roles, including vice president of product and vice president of community and culture at Zillow and CEO and co-founder of Own Trail. Rebecca is the author of Blaze Your Own Trail. She's a contributor to Forbes.com and is a frequent speaker on social impact, career navigation, and corporate diversity. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so psyched. Um, so um, as you know, we always start with rapid fire. So I'm going to give it to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What, since you were going to be an inventor, what is the best invention of all time? <laughs> it's a tough one, right? <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> well, you know, I think we're going all time. All time. Oh, I'm going to go with electricity. Yeah. That's a good one. All time. What about today's current? Internet. Invention? Internet. Yeah. Are those too, are those too predictable? No. I mean, <laughs> okay. what else are you going to say that's better than that? They're pretty good. Um, <laughs> is there an app that you can't live without? Uh, I'm I'm pretty hooked on Slack right now for communications with all the a lot of different groups of people in my life right now. So even for personal? No, that that one's more kind of projects and business focused. Yeah, yeah. I gotta get into Slack. We use it, but I'm like the worst. What is your favorite movie? Dirty Dancing. Oh, Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put baby in the corner. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what is a habit that you are currently trying to break? I was going to make it all positive and be like, a habit you're trying to create. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm going to get, you know, get real. What's a habit you're trying to break? I'm looking at my phone too much. Yeah. Yeah. I know. As a mom, my kids, like, they physically, like, move it out of my hand. I'm I like, know. Oh, this is And bad. then when they call you on it, stop I looking know. at your phone. You're like, oh, I'm a terrible mother. I know. What is your favorite type of cuisine? Mm, I go sushi. Yeah. Yep. Love. Yep. <laughs> um, we have to go for sushi. Let's do it. Um, name one word that your friends would use to describe you. Excited. I like that. <laughs> Are you, you're the fun friend? I'm, yeah, I'm always excited about something. I've never seen you not happy, too. You're definitely not moody, or unless we're just not close enough. No, but no, I don't no. See I'm you. pretty, you know, I think I, I definitely fill my life with things that excite me. So it's, it's yeah. kind of um, a bit of a cycle in that sense. But That's really yeah. good. Have you always been like that? Um, well, I guess I was definitely an angsty teenager. So the, yeah. but teenage years don't count in terms of your personality, right? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I try to tell my kids to use that as like happy fuel that like most successful people have some sort of, you know, angst that if you can put that in the right direction, <laughs> right. it can be helpful. You don't meet that many successful people that don't have a little bit of that. Yeah, no, right? you, gotta, you gotta have a little fire in you. I think the opposite of that is complacency, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I, 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 that's what I tend to tell myself. So, um, <laughs> So I have met you as 
boss lady executive at Zillow. But tell me about you as a child, as a little girl. You're from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yep. I, I grew up there since I was five. I was actually born in um, Copenhagen, Denmark. Oh, there whoa. There I was five, but, um, but grew up in Santa Fe. Where are your parents from? Boston and New York. And so what were they doing in Copenhagen? Uh, my dad's an astrophysicist, so he had oh, a, he was working out there. And oh, just an astrophysicist? <laughs> and my mom is an, an artist, so I definitely have a little bit of the like engineering and art combo in me, I think. Yes. <laughs> if I didn't know you and I was just meeting you out, I would say creative, just the way you carry yourself and your style. Ooh, well, I like um, that. Thank you. And you come off to me like an extroverted person. I am an extrovert. Yeah. Textbook. Like, I, if I have a really long, exhausting day, the way I want to unri- unwind is, like, go hang out with some friends and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, my God. High five. We're like, high five sisters. No, that's exactly right. I'm the same way. And so what's your family like? Do you have siblings? Yep. I have a little sister. She's six years younger than me. My parents are still together and very cute. Um, so, yeah, nothing, nothing too... Yeah. Unordinary there. I think as a kid, I was I was pretty chill. I um, up until about age thirteen, I was always very inventive. You yeah, know, kind yeah. Of... I read you wanted to be like an inventor <laughs> or a ballerina. Yes, <laughs> those are a little extreme. <laughs> well, that's the engineer and artist in me, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, could keep myself kind of focused and busy for a long time with different projects. Yeah. Then I hit teenage years. It all went to shit, and then I pulled <laughs> it back together again. <laughs> you did you rebel? Yeah. Or something. Yeah, just, you know, just self-destructive, bad decision-making kind of teenager. Yeah, I mean, if they're teenagers listening, I always love to be like, how did we curse correct? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say. Um, well, you know, I will say this, just like in the in the name of full transparency, I think one of the things that really course-corrected me the most, and I will give credit to my parents for like probably planting some good seeds early on, but when I was 19 and I'd actually just filled out of my first attempt at college, I started having some really bad anxiety attacks and through that, I stopped any kind of substances I was using, any kind of self-destructive behavior, just trying to get my my brain back to normal. And I think mm-hmm. that actually really saved me. And, you know, I think a lot of people go through that at different mm-hmm. points in their life. But I think the timing on that one kind of scared me back into... Did you do that you know, on your own? Yeah, and the help of, like, my parents and some different medical professionals and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so um, what are your parents like? Because you're... Um... The Rebecca spelling is a little bit unique. I'm sure you have to correct people all the time. Yeah. And then what kind of last name is Bastian? Well, Bastian's my husband's name. Oh, that's your husband's name. Yes. Which actually, like, we always joke about how when I saw his name on the caller ID for the first time, I said yes to a first date because I'm like, yep, that one will do. That... <laughs> because I had a hyphenated last name growing yes. up, Yozel Epstein. I don't know why I totally <laughs> thought that was your maiden name. I don't know why. I just assumed it. Yeah. Well, I, I really embody it now. I feel yeah. like a Rebecca Bastion. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's your maiden name? Yozel Epstein. Literally. So, yeah. Because my mom kept her last name. So it's a combination of both of them. My mom is Yozel. My dad is Epstein. Okay. And I hated being hyphenated. So I was so ready to lose that. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yep. So Jewish. Yep. Uh, both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't think that we've put that together, obviously. Like... <laughs> As as another Jewish woman, um, which we can we could have a whole podcast on that. Oh my gosh, yeah, D- dissect religion, <laughs> dissect religion, dissect what's happening in the world right now. Yes. Dissect are there is there a Jewish community in Santa Fe, New Mexico? There like, actually is a pretty good thriving one there. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, my mom's the president of the temple there. Oh yeah, go mom. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and um, so okay, so how did you end up getting into mechanical engineering? Like, did your dad, the kind of more engineering side, expose you in some way? And 
Um, definitely not directly. You know, you never know what you're picking up on. But I actually, when I after I moved to Seattle and I started taking some classes at Seattle Central Community College, it started with I took a astronomy class that seemed really cool, and so then that led me to some physics classes, and then that led me in some math classes, mm-hmm. and pretty soon I'm like, whoa! And I never, you know, and I think it's it's oftentimes you know what you see with young girls that like you don't really see science and engineering right in front of you as much mm-hmm. as as options that you're excited about. Um, yeah. And so like I had never gotten into any of that before, but I was really good at it and I found it fascinating. And so when I ended up transferring to University of Washington, I transferred into the mechanical engineering department there. And was that part of the game plan? Because I know you mentioned at the beginning of our um, little chat that <laughs> you you said you like failed out of school. You were studying to be... Um, I went for music the first time. And what kind of music? I played the oboe. <laughs> You're ever fascinating. You're like an onion. Just peel back the layers. What else are we going to discover? An, acro- keep talking, an acrobat we'll slash oboe player. So the oboe. Is that the no, big no, no, no. That's the bassoon. Okay, oboe is like the size of a clarinet, but it has a double reed. Okay. Yeah. And so you were going to go to college and do what? The, the one thing that you can deduce from every life story I have is that there's not that much of a long-term plan, you know, which Got I it. actually think is um, is a strength, not a weakness, because it's kept me really open to possibilities. But, yeah. um, but I don't know what I was planning to do after oboe college. And you didn't have the parents that were like, Rebecca... No. Oboe, what are you going to do with that? No, no, no. They've, they've always been the, like, if you're happy, we're happy type of oh, parents. Oh, so. I love that. I know. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So you ended up transferring into UW, studying mechanical engineering, and then and then ultimately went back and got a master's mm-hmm. at Cal. So you went hardcore. Yeah. It was, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I said, well, I'll apply to grad school at UC Berkeley and Stanford, because those two I knew had really interesting kind of, like, I wanted to be an inventor, and I knew they had programs that were, you know, something in line with that. Mm-hmm. I said, well, if I get into one of those, awesome. Otherwise, I'll figure something out. And then yeah. got rejected from Stanford. Didn't hear from Berkeley for way longer than it should have taken, but then finally <laughs> did get in. Yeah. Um, ended up working for a really fantastic professor there, Alice Agagino, and had a great time with it. It was great. I, I very much could have become a mechanical engineer after that, but but I didn't. What does a mechanical engineer do for, for like, I, I keep mm. thinking of my kids, like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell my kids. Well, I mean, you know, like old school, traditionally, it's like HVAC or yeah. Boeing, but, you know, there's a lot now, especially um, there's so much interesting. I think the whole Internet of Things thing is really interesting because there's Super all the kind of me- mechanical side of it and software side of it. And um, if I did get into mechanical engineering, I think it might have been something in that space. Yeah. Um, and did you go right away to Microsoft after school? I did. So what happened was I was dating um, my boyfriend at the time. Who's Not a, Shane. Who, yeah, it, oh. it was Shane. So it worked out. Um, he's my husband now. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Go so, Shane. <laughs> we started dating before I went down to Berkeley and um, and did long distance while I was down there and really fell in love during that time. So I was just eager to get back to him. Mm-hmm. And it was um, 2002, so it wasn't, like, great job market right then, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. So, anyway, Microsoft was interviewing on campus, and so I signed up for an interview, and I thought I would go in and do a hardware interview, which would have been relevant. And the guy that was interviewing me said, oh, I don't know how to give a hardware interview. Here, I'll give you a program manager interview, which I'd never heard of a program manager before. Yeah. But... Um, 
got the job somehow. <laughs> and that's <laughs> you know? what you ended up doing. That's what I ended up doing. I, I was a program manager on Microsoft Outlook. And what does that um, job entail? What does that person do? So a program manager, which is also sometimes called a product manager, yeah. that's, that's what we call it now, is um, really like taking products from um, ideation to um, execution. So really like figuring out the requirements of what we should or what what we're trying to solve, what requirements would solve that, working with designers to kind of figure out what that would look like, working with developers to figure out like how that might be built or making trade-offs, really defining all the functionality, um, some project management of kind of coordinating people and and resources and stuff. And then... um, getting it out there in the world and, and iterating. And what did you think of Microsoft? I've had so many guests on the podcast, some old school Microsoft employees, you know, that were there 20 years ago. Yeah. What was the culture like for you? It was, um, so I met some really great people there. I'm like, <laughs> I can tell I'm not so great. You're like, it was, how do well, I say know, this? When I was there, I was kind of like, uh, this is okay. I mean, I guess this is what it's like to have a real job, you know? Yeah, because you're young and you're thinking, and <laughs> now I'm a big girl. Job. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not that invigorating, but I guess that's what working's like. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'd always bartended and stuff before then. So this, yeah. was, this was my first office job. Um, now, in hindsight, once I went over to Zillow, I was like, oh, that was really, I mean, Outlook is a very legacy product. You know, Office is a very legacy organization. It, I was very junior and working on small incremental things. So yeah. it, um, then going over to like a, a brand new pre-launch startup and building everything from scratch was like, yeah. oh my God, I'm changing the world now. Oh, so. I'm sure. Wait, I need to know everything about Zillow <laughs> yeah. as far as how that came to be. How did they even know who you were? How'd you find them? So I believe I was the first employee ever hired off of Craigslist. <laughs> Um, everyone that was there before me, I, I think, kind of knew each other from past jobs mm-hmm. and stuff. What employee so. number were you? Um, I think it was in the 20s. That is so early. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So we were, when I, when they offered me the job and like through the interview process, they wouldn't actually tell me exactly what they were working on. Mm-hmm. Like it was so stealth. What was the ad? I mean, what was, it was the I mean, it was, it was, you know, Zillow is a real estate company and it's founded by... Rich and Lloyd, who were, you know, they're the guys that founded Expedia, so they have a good track record. And um, so I knew it was in the real estate space, but, mm-hmm. like, they wouldn't really give me details until I'd signed the offer letter. And did they, did you interview with them? Um, I interviewed with Lloyd, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I walked out thinking I did not have the job. Because <laughs> yeah, he's not so emotive, right? He's not showing you on his face, like, I think it's exactly. It I think his exact words with one, he was looking at my resume, and he was like, well, why did you work on that? And I'm like, um, because I was an intern and they told me to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. You're supposed to have these like crazy. Which, by the way, ideas. I have come to completely adore Lloyd. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they just kind of said, it's this real estate company. And what were they hiring for? What, it was what a program was manager. So, a program manager. you know, same okay. level, same title. I mean, really, for me, the thing that had me looking, it wasn't even that I realized that it could be better out there, but the commute was killing me. Mm. I live in Ballard, Microsoft's in oh, Redmond. Yeah. It was Awful. So that's what really had me like going and looking at um, at Seattle, something in Seattle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, okay, so day one, you get there, and were you drinking from the fire hose? Just the whole startup versus Microsoft. Yes, I was drinking Kool Aid from a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> because... I think everyone still drinks Kool Aid over there. You know, we're it's got good vibes. That's, that's the thing about working on something that's really crucial to people's lives yeah. in a place that has a really strong culture. It's it's very Kool Aidy, which oh, is well, in, sure. in a good way. 
<laughs> yeah. And, well, we're, we're going to get to this, the different roles that you've had along the way. You've had several. But your ultimate role, community and, and culture and all that stuff, that, that makes a huge difference, too, when you feel like you can 100% be yourself at work and you have to have, like, work Shauna versus home yes. Shauna. Yeah, that has been my, my focus and my team's focus. That creates for... a lot of Kool-Aid, too, especially as the <laughs> company has gotten so big. Yep. How many employees are um, at Zillow now? I think it's about 5,500. 5,500. You're yep. employee number 20. Yeah. It's been a good ride. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has to have been a good ride. And so aren't we calling it Zillow Group now? Yes. Like officially? Isn't that what I'm supposed to be calling it? I always get confused. I'm like, Zillow. Yeah. Yeah. We, what, we've, we've done several acquisitions and kind of moved into Zillow Group. Zillow that. Group is yeah. the big one. Yeah. And so um, what's been the most exciting day that you've had? at Zillow? <laughs> well, I will say that I missed IPO because I was on maternity leave. It mm-hmm. was it was vicariously exciting. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I would say, you know, one project that um, that was really dear to my heart that I worked on on the side for about a year was our first iPhone app. And it, it was a side project. The iPhone had just come out. Um, a few developers and I were working on it, and it took a really long time. <laughs> I have it. I have it on my phone. Yes, it's it's even improved now. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. But you know, we'd worked on it for a long time. We finally launched it. It got the t- we. Um, I got to fly down to Apple with Rich and Lloyd to go present it to you know the the leadership team there at That's Apple. That's amazing. Steve Jobs presented it on stage during his his. Um, upcoming keynote and just the exhilaration of like having started something as a side project and then having it be that well received and that you know it was just like oh my gosh of course real estate is mobile like this makes sense and then you know and then we created a whole mobile team and it grew and it's become a huge part of our business but kind of it's that um almost kind of the entrepreneurship thing where you kind of you you feel such ownership over something like it's your baby, like you've created it from from scratch, and then it becomes like a real big thing, and that oh, was really yeah. exciting. It's huge. And so, um, how would you currently describe Zillow if you met somebody if you're traveling in Europe and and they're like, where do you work? Mm-hmm. How would you describe the company now because of so many different acquisitions? Oh yeah, well I mean it's it's a real estate platform that. Um, has actually in the past year or two pivoted from being a real estate marketplace where people would just kind of connect over real estate to we've moved into being part of the transaction now where people with a single click can can sell their home to us or buy their home from us. And we're actually um, part of, of that process, which then means that we can deliver extremely helpful content and services through the entire process of, of home buying and selling and renting and, and getting mortgages and, and all of those different um, areas of real estate. That's in, that's incredible. It's grown to be something pretty magnificent, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so some of the ideas, is it the kind of culture where you feel like any ideas that you have, you can run with them or pitch them to um, the founders or to the leadership team and and that it's like, hey, go for it? Definitely ideas come from everywhere. Um, we're pretty data-driven in our decision-making. And, you know, I, I would answer that yes. I'm also one of our first employees and I'm an executive there. So I also want to kind of recognize my privilege with that. I think that for any employee, yes, that is possible. But a lot of people come from a lot of different companies and have, have different kind of associations with how um, corporations work. So I wouldn't say that every employee feels like they can do that. And mm-hmm. part of my team's job is to kind of help people realize that everyone's voice really matters and um, and is valued. But, yeah. you know, people bring baggage with them into the workplace. Oh, yeah. so. oh, God, yes. <laughs> well, and then it, also at that size, you almost have to systematize it and make it 
kind of formal versus exactly, it's not yeah. like they're just going to walk in and be like, hey, Rebecca, I got this idea. Yeah. You know, they have to really think through it and make sure that they're efficient with their time and your time and, yeah. and everything like that. And so um, it's not an accident that you're an executive there and that you've been there, are we 15 years? Yeah, Is that four, right? 14 and a half. 14 yeah. and a half. <laughs> um, you know, you, you've crushed it. And yes, you've been given the opportunity, yes, timing and all these other things, but what part of you or your DNA do you think has led to your success, especially as a woman? Well, um, I think a lot of my success at Zillow is because of the culture that Zillow has, which mm -hmm. is, you know, I have lots of big, crazy ideas and some of them are fantastic and some of them are terrible. But I, you know, I'm the kind of person that like, even if I wasn't supposed to be just trying things and doing big things and sharing big ideas, I don't think I'd be able to suppress that. So, you know, it's great you that I ended up at a yeah. company where that's valued and where that's actually led to my success as opposed to holding me back. Cause it mm -hmm. really, so much of that depends on the company. Yeah. And, you know, um, as a woman, like, yes, engineering's male dominated where our, our numbers are certainly getting better, but it's like, you know, especially like when I was in mechanical engineering school, it was like 10% of the class was women or something, you know? So I'm used to that. That hasn't bugged me. I will say that one thing that's been really amazing and probably one of the several reasons that I've, that I have been at Zillow so long is that there was, I guess, the opposite of the motherhood penalty for me, mm. where I got promoted into people management when I was about eight months pregnant with my first kid. And I got promoted to VP of product shortly after my second maternity leave. And so not only did becoming a mother not hold me back, but I actually, you know, I think I and many women I talked to had this idea that I need to get wherever I need to get in my career before I have kids because then I'm going to stagnate. And yeah. that couldn't have been further from the truth. And I think that, you know, being at a company that that has really allowed me to keep growing and thriving through motherhood has has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. And I also know that you pride yourself, and, and I love this, that you drop the kids off, you mm -hmm. pick them up. And is that something that's kind of part of the culture? Or is that like, hey, you've earned it because you've been there a long time? No, I think, you know, it's it, we're not, we're not, well... Some are hourly roles that do clock in and out. But, for, yeah. you know, if you're not in an hourly role, it's not that um, there is flexibility. Um, I mean, I, I certainly I think you, I'm sure you can relate to this as a mother. Like I am super productive because of, you, you know, need to be. it's important to me that I'm there with my kids in the evenings and I drop them off and stuff. And so, like, I really get shit done during the day. Yeah. And and sometimes after they're in bed and stuff, you know, so yeah. I think like no, it wouldn't be okay for me to just be dropping the ball on things for that. But if I'm able to be really productive and, and to get it all done and, and be there for my family, that's definitely encouraged. Yeah. What advice do you give to people who are considering startup life? I mean, I think it's great to have startup experience at some point in your life if you're up for it. Um, you know, yes, like there's there's kind of two sides of the same coin. Like, yes, it can be really long hours sometimes. It can be really intense um, you know, riskier than going to an established company. But at the same time, like you get to wear lots of hats. You're, you're oh, needed sure. like any, like any time ever in the early days. So when I would say, oh, can I help out with that? The answer is yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? They're like, really? And so I got to learn so much so fast just by taking on all these different projects and skills. And, um, and it was a blast, you know, um, Yes, there were weeks where I'd kind of be living in the office and mm -hmm. um, and that worked for where I was in my life right then. So it was OK. But I think, you know, and, you know, to be fair, not every single startup is like 
around the clock. There's every company has a different culture. Yeah. And, um, well, I see Zillow as such a successful company, and and certainly Rich and Lloyd as um in, as incredible. I mean, they got this Midas touch that's crazy. Yeah. But um, people at Microsoft and people at Amazon talk about being Bill ready or being Jeff ready. <laughs> Is there a way to be prepared to meet with Rich or Lloyd for people who aren't as in it as you are? Like mm-hmm. if you were giving advice, like you better come ready with X. I, th- I think come ready to speak up. You know, they they want to hear from people. I, Rich and Lloyd aren't that kind of like, I'm going to trick you into saying the wrong thing and then devour you for it kind of people. You They're know? not top like, down, it sounds like, either too much. No. I mean, and in fact, you know, Rich's style is really like wanting to empower his leaders and their leaders and on on down to like really, you know, be autonomous and make the right decisions. So, you know, he doesn't want to be in the weeds on everything. Mm-hmm. And as such, he's not, you know, I, I think that... They, but they, they ask great questions like know your stuff and come ready to really speak up and know that you're in the room for a reason. And this is what I always tell people with in any context, not just with your CEO, but you know, there's a lot of different meetings and conversations that can feel intimidating that you'll find yourself in. And the reason you're in that conversation or, or in that conference room is because you have knowledge or skills that are needed there. And so even when it feels scary, push yourself, speak up and, and share your ideas because that. Even if they disagree with the ideas, that's still going to be more respected than just staying silent. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know that you or I could stay. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my problem. (laughs) Um, So since you've had so many awesome roles and and such a variety of roles from product to VP of community and culture at Zillow, where are we on the whole inequity thing? And and what are you guys doing about it? The whole inequity thing. Well, you know, that that is huge and societal. But also, you know, once you get into the workplace, um, there, you know, what we focus on at Zillow is what we call equity and belonging. So, you know, a lot of companies talk about diversity and inclusion. And we really feel that um, in addition to that being kind of glossed over just because it's become a little bit. Um, it's like want want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it really getting at the core of, of what's important for us to focus on. So, Equity really is looking at the fact that, you know, even before anyone ended up at Zillow, everyone's had really different opportunities and different barriers in their lives. And some of that is kind of due to individual circumstance. Some of it's due to systems of oppression in the world. But not everyone has has been has had the same opportunities to get to the same places. And what we want to do in people's careers is really recognize that Everyone's starting from a different place and needs different things and providing what everyone needs in order to really be successful, to grow and thrive in their careers. Mm -hmm. And what's an example of that? Because I'm just thinking of like, as you were talking, I thought you were going to say something around kind of like leveling the playing field. I mean, that's like, what that is, right? Like when you provide everyone what they need, recognizing mm-hmm. that what they need might be different, then that is essentially leveling the playing field in order to, you know, there's people talk, in, especially in tech, about meritocracy. You know, the be- the person who works the hardest is going to do the best. But when you're starting from a different place, that can't yeah. be true, right? Yeah, the finish line's at a different spot. Totally, yeah, or the starting line's at a different spot. Yeah, the starting line, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, equity is really about providing people what they need. So that might be things like, you know, additional training or mentorship or opportunities or, you know, even thinking about something as simple as, you know, I'm hiring for a new role and or I have an opportunity for someone that could really enhance their role. I'm going to look around and say, who's interested in this? And someone who feels really confident, who hasn't necessarily been beaten down by different systems in their life might raise their hand and confidently say, me, I'm ready for that. And I'm like, "Okay, great. They're ready for that. But I wouldn't be looking then at who are the people who aren't raising their hand because they have, um, you know, 
anything from imposter syndrome to um, to not having had the same, you know, education or skills that makes them think they're prepared. Or, you know, there's so many things there that, you know, how do we create opportunities equitably with really understanding, you know, um, what people could do and how we can give them the resources they need to do that. I love that. That's such a different way of thinking about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's an obvious thing once you're saying <laughs> it, but I've never really heard it positioned like that. Thank you. And then what about once they're there and, and so how do you the, get them to kind of... That's the belonging side of it, that's right? That's the belonging yeah. side. So belonging, when we talk about that, we're really thinking about how do we create a culture and create a space where everyone really feels safe bringing their best selves to work, right? So able to really be heard, be seen, be valued for who they are and not not feeling the need to fit in, but really feeling um, like, like they should be who they are there. And um, and we do that in a lot of different ways too. Everything from centered spaces like our affinity networks to what does um, that mean? Um, affinity networks are like the same as um, employee resource groups (ERGs). Mm-hmm. So um, about forty percent of the company actually participates in them now. But those are um, spaces where, so like you know the the women's network or the Black African Ancestry Network or the Pride Network. Or, we have nine of them. Um, oh, that's amazing! How did you come up with them? Was the company came up with them? The people, the employees. There, so there's launch leaders for each network. So those are employees that are stepping up to mm-hmm. start the network, and they go through a lot of work to kind of get it going and create a charter. And then we have network elections each year to um, elect leadership, which is all employees to run. So my team, you know, we have some people on my team that support the networks to to help them achieve their goals. But mm-hmm. they're really employee led organizations. I think this is incredible. I know a lot of bigger companies do this kind of thing, but it's, I feel like Zillow been so beyond thoughtful about it really intentional and so the employees are leading it what what do you do as as company leaders to support them so we have each network has um an executive sponsor or two that gives them a direct line into the executive team each network has an hr business partner liaison that they can go to for any hr issues and then there are several people on my team that support the networks in terms of um, helping them with their budgets and their events and their, you know, kind of the structure for how to kind of um, think about running the networks. And um, and we support um, a certain amount of time each month for network leaders and network members to be engaging in, in that space. And so that's incredible. I love it. And so I also know that you serve on a lot of boards. Like, I don't know how you're having time for all this. And we're going to get to the fact that you, oh, yeah, by the way, wrote a book and are launching a company. So how do you have time for all of this? What what boards are you on and how do you decide which boards to join? Because I'm sure you're asked a lot. Yeah. So right now I am on the board of Bellwether Housing. Um, homelessness and housing affordability has been an area that I've been really passionate about for years, um, especially, you know, being at Zillow and working in the housing space and living in Seattle. I was about to say, living yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then I'm on the advisory board for the U- University of Washington Department of Mechanical Engineering, which, um, you know, I felt is, is really important because of, well, A, I like to keep my foot in the, the mechanical engineering space a little bit where I can. I still love it. And I feel that really being able to apply kind of the, the equity lens that I've that I've learned through my role um, to that space is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm an advisor for a startup called um, Leg Up that's that's here out of Seattle, which is a managed marketplace for childcare. That's really cool. Um, my friend Jessica Eggert is, you know her, right? Yeah. She, she's the founder. So, that's really cool. Um, so those are the three that I am doing right now. That's and, a lot. Um, yeah. It's, but, you know, here's the thing about, like, how do I make time for all of that is um, I'm really excited about 
all of the things that I do. And I find for me that when I'm doing a lot of things that are energizing um, and exciting, that gives me energy, it doesn't drain my energy, yeah. you know? So I'm so happy to hear you say this because I get, um, I don't know, it's, it's a strong word to say criticized, but I get questioned <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. Like, why are you doing so much? You're doing another thing. Like, you need to start, start to set boundaries and say no. And sometimes <laughs> I feel that way. And other times I'm like, it's in my DNA to be completely energized by these things. Like, I, I mean, unless, unless it's not energizing, like an right. event that you go to that's like, ugh. But generally speaking, I, I leave charged yes, and totally. inspired. And so... So then, given that you're such an extrovert, how did you find the discipline and time uh, to do such an introverted behavior like write a book? <laughs> well, I do love writing. I've been actually um, writing for, which is funny, I, I discovered that I like writing um, five or six years ago, which mm -hmm. is kind of like... When did you start writing for Forbes? I started for writing for Forbes... Um, a little over a year ago, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I was writing for Huffington Post before that and a little bit for Thrive Global. Um, it was actually, you know, someone just asked me to do a guest blog post once, I think six years ago, for um, Seattle Geek Girl Dinners. Mm. And I did. And then, like, people really liked it. And so this is the kind of thing I do. I'm like, well, why not ask? So I sent an email unsolicited to Ariana Huffington and was like, oh, I just wrote this blog post. Are you interested in it? And she was like, I love it. Here's a byline. <laughs> So that's then I'm like, oh, well, now I have this outlet. I'm going to start writing, you know? Yeah. And so that's how I started with that. And and I really enjoy writing. It's one of those things that why did I not discover this earlier in life? But um, the idea for my book actually just came to me like in the middle of the night. It was like this weird download from from dreamland. <laughs> yeah. So I love the name Blaze Your Own Trail. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Love it. How did you come up with it? Well, um, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. So the idea behind Blaze Your Own Trail is it's, uh, I'm going to say this even though, it's a choose your own adventure style book. I'm like, don't sue me. No, just kidding. <laughs> mm -hmm. Choose your own adventure. So you like, if you go down uh, column A, it's. Yeah. So you're basically reading it at the end of each chapter, you make a decision and that tells you what chapter to go to next. You remember That's that series? That's so cool. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so. That's the premise, but it's exploring the different pathways and decisions that a woman takes through her personal and professional life. Okay. And so that choose your own adventure style really lends itself to the fact that there is no one right path. Like there's so many different ways you could go. And so there's 19 different endings and each one is called happily ever after something, something. And it's really, none of them are like fairy tale, but it's really, it's kind of the idea, kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, where you like think through what's the worst case scenario that could possibly happen and then like figure out how you're still okay. I <laughs> you know? love it. And so it's kind of doing that. And then also I weave a lot of data into it. And so, you know, the format is really trying to embrace the idea that there's no one right path, but then the data is really trying to help understand that you know, as a woman, there's all these experiences that we have that feel really isolating and we feel like we're the only ones going through them. And the reason for that isn't because we're the only ones going through them. It's because no one talks about it. Right. And so through the data, I'm really trying to shed light on the fact that um, these are actually really common experiences. And, you know, we're, we're so many of us are going through those together. And where did you do the research? Where did you find all the data? The internet, the, the best invention wide, of the modern, <laughs> yeah. the World Wide Web. Yes. And so, what does it mean to you? Because I know that you're d described as a feminist. What does that word mean to you? 
well, I mean, feminist is is um, just believing that women can and should be able to do and have everything that the men can. It's just, you know, it's really about equality. Do you think that there's backlash to that, like in the last four or five years? Yes, but they're wrong. Some people have a negative connotation of like angry feminists, which even that is okay. I mean, sometimes there's a really good reason to be angry too, you know? It's a complicated but... subject. I've had lots of women on the podcast. And if I said something, you know, I'm saying mother and wife, and that is a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes women are like, well, that's not relevant. And I'm like, no, it's 100% relevant. All of you is relevant. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, interestingly, you know, I might argue there's there's a lot of there, there is definitely still very much a patriarchy, and there's a lot of problems that stem from that. But also, I think women's personal and professional lives tend to be more intertwined than men's oftentimes, you know, um, for whatever reason. And maybe that's societal or maybe that's whatever it is. Um, but I think it tends to be the case, you know. And so, like, I am a mother and a wife and an executive and all those things. And, like, I feel like it would actually be selling my experience short to try to compartmentalize that into just, you know, certain pieces of it. Yeah, completely. And so you surround yourself, I know, with a lot of strong women, um, probably working women, stay-at-home moms, all different types of women. Do you have any part in the book about how women can support each other? Yeah, I definitely um, lean on the solidarity piece around the the relationships in the book. And um, I Actually, I think probably all of the the female friendships in the book are are pretty strong and positive ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, as they should be. Yes. Like I, I mean, um, I think that as yeah. you get older, you do realize the girlfriend thing is so powerful, and yeah. the, especially when it's the ride or die type of friendship. That's <laughs> like, hey, I've got you, yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah. I think that women are raised to kind of compete, and I and that part I think is just interesting. I do think that there's, you know, especially when when women aren't being treated equitably, then there's kind of the scarcity mindset, right? Like women are 50 percent of the population. So if everything was totally equal, then, you know, there would be kind of half of every opportunity or everything to go around. Mm -hmm. And when it's not that, then people start to feel that scarcity. And I think that can breed competition or... or, um... I I think it's more that. I think it's super complex. And so tell me about the book exactly. Like, Mm -hmm. how long did it take you to write? And (laughs) what's the outcome that you're looking for from writing the book? Yeah. So it actually, I wrote it pretty fast. Um, My now six-year-old, then Mm five-year-old, was going through a period of time where he wouldn't go to sleep unless I was sitting in the chair in the corner of his room. And so I would just sit there every night writing some of the book on my phone. (laughs) On your phone. Yeah, I found found this app that would sync with, you know, between my phone and my laptop. And I would just sit there and write. And I kind of, you know, the app also let you set goals for yourself. So I'd be like, I'm just going to write. What's the app called? Ulysses. Oh, that's great. There's a bunch of apps on it. I don't know. I picked this one. It works. It works pretty well. Um, you know, it lets you like reorganize chapters and stuff. But I'd set like pretty small goals for myself to write every day. And some days I wouldn't be feeling it and I would just get to the like 300 words or whatever, which is not very much and stop. And some days I'd be really inspired and write, you know, 2000 words or 3000 words, you know. And so I just kept doing that. And I just had a feeling I'm like, this is in me and I want to get it out. And the best way to get out is just going to be to like have make myself write it every day. And so I did. And it was really fun to write. (laughs) I'm so excited to read it. What does it look like? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to see it. I'll show you a picture. I should have actually brought you. I have gallery copies. I I can't wait. And so is this um, leading to some sort of 
business change? I mean, what are you going to do with the book? <laughs> Funny you should ask, Shauna. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what what happened was, as I'm thinking about kind of a launch platform for the book, which, um, you know, kind of the traditional one is you create a website about yourself, and this is the book I wrote, and um, and I kind of was feeling like this could be much bigger than like anyone who's interested in, you know, about me and really like the platform or the messaging behind Blazer and Trail could be something that really appeals to a wider audience. So I started playing around with like, you know, I'm a tech and product person. I'm like, what would a website look like that was really cool? And maybe there's some viral thing that lets women share their trails and stuff. And um, as I started digging in and thinking about it and having conversations, I, I started to really kind of coalesce on some some truths that there are some really interesting problems that need solving. And I was starting to visualize like what those solutions could look like. Mm -hmm. So namely, the fact that um, women, and I know this from, you know, I have coffee with young women all the time and older women. And, and there's this kind of need to figure out what their path is, like where they're supposed to be going, mm -hmm. how they're supposed to get there, have it figured out. And people worry about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, and then when you look around at kind of, well, what are the solutions that are out there? Everything's really focused on the end state and, um, and not the pathing to get there. And it's this like fairly picture perfect end state at that, right? It's the kind of social media facade that we all hate. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, women's personal and professional lives are completely intertwined. But when you look at kind of what's been built for us, it's um, personals here, professionals there. They're not really interconnected. And, and this is something that, you know, I've seen and really gotten to understand a lot more in the role that I've been in recently is um, people really need to see someone who looks like them in order to really aspire to great things. And it's not just um, having the confidence to go after something. It is that. But it's even more importantly, like even having an idea that that something might exist, right? So if I don't see people who look like me in spaces that I might aspire to, it's really hard for me to push myself there. Mm -hmm. And when we look at kind of the purview in front of us, um, it's limited, you know, especially for the more underrepresented identities you hold, the more limited your purview is for seeing people that look like you in corporate America. Mm -hmm. or just, you know, around us. Um, so that is this problem set. And then on the other side of the coin is is really, you know, once we get to a certain place in life or get past a certain obstacle, we want to be able to give back to people who are coming up behind us. And traditionally, that's been mentorship. And mentorship as we know it is super time consuming and not at all scalable. You know, I can spend a lot of time talking with one person or maybe a few people. And at the end of the day, they're still going to need more information and guidance than I've been able to give them. And I'm going to be starting all over with someone else, you know. Mm -hmm. And so what I came to realize is that, like, there's these problems. And when we've always said, like, oh, I need a mentor or I want to be a mentor, what we're really saying is, like, I want to be solving these problems. And mentorship is kind of the construct that we've used to identify so far with that. Um, and so I've started working on this website, which has gone way beyond What's what I was called? doing with the book, OwnTrail.com. OwnTrail. Okay. Yep. Got kind of it. like blaze your own trail Got it. or own your trail. Okay. <laughs> and um, and it's basically, the idea is that women can do these micro acts of mentorship, which is sharing their life paths, right? And the life path is going to be a series of milestones that are interconnected, and, um, and each milestone is normalized by a category. And when we put those all together, it can be this really rich, vibrant, 
um, tool for women to kind of create this self-guided mentorship that they're looking for by navigating this really rich data set. So you can almost picture this like neural network of life paths, right? And so can they ask questions within the network? Yeah. So the, the, um, what we're launching on February 11th is the V1, where we'll have the ability to create trails and browse through trails individually. Mm -hmm. But then we have this vision for really creating this really vibrant interaction on the different milestones, finding ways to kind of overlay the trails to really answer interesting questions around, like, what are all the ways that women have gotten to a certain point in their lives or from a certain point? Or, you know, how did somebody who shares my same identities make it to this place in their mm -hmm. life, you know, and really being able to navigate it in a way that that answers the questions and provides the inspiration that that women need. And we really believe that when someone says, I need a mentor, this can be what they're asking for there. That's amazing. And so if I was to go on right now and be part of the beta test, would I be filling it out open text or is it a pull down like your book like now this go to the right go to the left we have we have a really fun interface actually we just launched the beta so that we're going to have a lot of trails on the site when we launch yeah so that you um, can see some yeah, data yeah exactly so um i will send it to you right after this i would love yeah. for you to try it but it's, it's a really to. fun interface where you can add different milestones you choose what category it is mm -hmm. um you add uh, some information about it some text and um, some other attributes what are some examples of milestones because you said personal and professional the milestones like getting married and yeah. having kids getting married and having kids um you know switching jobs or getting a promotion there's you know all of the the different bumps in our res we really want to mm -hmm. embrace like the real story there's you know there's death and illness and there's um mistreatment and you yeah. know but then there's all the positives yeah. around um you know moving and new beginnings and it, it's everything that can happen in your work and personal it's life so, you know? that sounds exciting and so obviously given from where i sit as a recruiter i'm constantly meeting with people who are in career um, transition or confusion mm -hmm. or something and yeah. oftentimes if it's a return to the workforce mom those ones those candidates can get a little bit um need the most as far as like mentorship or getting their confidence back. Yeah. I think this platform would be amazing for them to say, hey, here's all these other women who also took a break. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Who else, you know, has, you know, took this much time off work and maybe even did this similar job before and mm -hmm. who, you know, and they also are, are dealing with aging parents or they're also, you know, a single parents or they're also. Oh, that's um, going to be really, I can't wait to see it. And so what's the business model? How, how are you going to make money? <laughs> well, we're really focusing the, the first, you know, probably 18 months or so on really building up the platform to be super engaging, super useful, build up a, a user base and have some incredible data and interactions on there. We're going to do some partnership models to work with different organizations that are supporting women to really kind of um, support them in um, sharing the stories and experiences of their members and build it up that way. Mm -hmm. And once we get to kind of a critical mass of users, then there's some really interesting stuff we can do, um, both, you know, around predictive analytics, really understanding where people are going in their lives, what they might do next, what they need to be seeing to, to help them through this next phase. Um, and, you know, at that point, you can monetize in a few different ways. You know, there's there's... One thing that we're holding very near and dear to us that's part of our core values is um, complete safety and privacy. So what what I can say is that we will never be giving users data away. You know, I think that we've reached kind of a low in the Internet age in terms of data privacy and and how how data is being used. But you can really uphold privacy and and create a really safe environment 
and provide people with the products or services that they need for the different um, mm -hmm. areas that they're navigating in their life. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you anticipate will be the biggest challenge? <laughs> um, well, you know, everyone keeps telling me that fundraising is the biggest challenge <laughs> at first, right? So, um, you know, you hear a lot of horror stories about mm -hmm. that. I will admit that I've been talking to a lot of investors and it's been fantastic conversations. So hopefully that's not the biggest challenge, right? Yeah. Um, Getting, you know, getting the flywheels going of repeat usage and getting people to really, you onto know, the platform. yeah, onto the platform and coming back to the platform and engaging. Um, I, I have a lot of ideas around that, but we also really want to listen to our users. We want this to be, you know, I really love the idea of this new Internet age that is consumer driven. Right. So it's not the company coming in saying, yes, like, this is, how this is, is what you need. This is how it works. Here's here's what you're going to do. But it's really listening to the users and saying, like, what do you need? How do you want to use this? How is this best going to serve you? And we're yeah. really planning to build it in a way where we're getting that, that feedback and, and building based on that. So, yeah. Well, given that your background, I mean, you really are like the ultimate Swiss Army knife as far as being able <laughs> to be all things. Do you have team members? Are you going to hire yeah. people? Yes, we have a great team. So I guess, first of all, if it's, if it's not abundantly clear through this conversation, I I have announced that I'm going to be leaving Zillow to run this. So okay. that is really this is exciting. Beyond so. exciting. And thank you for giving the What Fuels You <laughs> podcast the opportunity to share your story. This is super cool. So this is the perfect venue for sharing perfect. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so you've got a little team. Yeah. So I will be CEO of Own Trail. I have a co-founder who is fantastic. Her name is Katie McBratney. Um, she's been CMO at a company called Seed and Spark, which is this really cool um, crowdsourcing independent video platform. And so she's going to be leaving there as well to to co-found this with me um so our roles are really um i'm about really building the thing and she's about getting people to use the thing <laughs> so she has a really um interesting and cool um branding and marketing kind of background we have two phenomenal developers um carolyn dunn and lyle hazel who are also going to be joining us to do this um is, is and, and have been working and on it lyle females carolyn is a female lyle is male Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, look at you. Three out of four females. Good for you. Yeah. Well, we have a, we have a woman designer and two women advisors, too. So, <laughs> so, so you've um, got this is like a yeah. full thing. And are you finding yourself beyond energized by it? You know, just oh like I gosh, remember those yes. early days of starting fuel is like just, you know, you can't sleep. You're so excited. I'm so excited. And I'm feeling every emotion possible just because, you know, Zillow has been my baby and I love mm -hmm. it. And, and your family. And stepping away. My family, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're super supportive and wonderful. My family. No, no, not been... your family family. Oh, I mean, your Zillow, Zillow family. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. Zillow, has been, Zillow has been your baby, but oh, also totally. those people are your peeps. Yes. Like some of my best lifelong yeah, friends I are at Zillow. Yeah. So that, it's so bittersweet and I'm feeling so many feelings about it, but the one feeling I haven't had really is doubt. Like I just... I kind of feel like every experience I've ever had, everything I've ever learned and done has all led to this moment. And this is what I have to be doing right now. And that's the most exciting feeling. Oh, it's incredible. You're going to you're going to crush it. Um, so the kind of people that should be coming to the website would be yeah. all women who women, are yeah. wanting to either share their story or read about other people's stories. Yeah. And I would argue that um, they should probably be one in the same. Over time, I think we're going to find that, right? Because everyone has a story to share. There's, oh, I there's love no it. Well, that's who... why I got the podcast going. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. my favorite part is learning <laughs> about people's stories. And it's never just kind of a straight line. No, no. Everyone has something to share and everyone has something to learn. So anyone who thinks they don't have a story to share or thinks that they have it all figured out and don't need any more inspiration or guidance they're, they're is, dead. is not 
really correct. Yeah. <laughs> so so hopefully, you know, the women that come to the site really want to be both. I mean, you can definitely start in one role or the other. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's for all women. Um, and we like we're focusing one of our advisors, um, Sage Camno is, do you know her? From I don't. Future, she's one of the founders of Future for Us, which is a fantastic organization. But um, we have her advising really on partnerships and on intersectionality. So we really want to be intentional from the beginning. You know, I think a lot of women's spaces um, tend to be spaces for white women because they're not intentional about being intersectional of the different mm. identities that women hold. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to address that from the beginning. So that's all to say that I really hope that an extremely diverse array of women will be coming to Own Trail, sharing their experiences, learning from each other. The power is really going to be in getting enough stories that we can, that someone can filter down to really specific identities and experiences and still see a lot of people that can inspire them and that they can share share their experiences with. Mm-hmm. And well, given, you know, that a lot of people, especially this time of year, because we're in January now, um, are doing kind of vision boards and goal setting. Are you are you doing all of that? It's 2020. So it's like mm-hmm. this 10-year thing that I feel is bigger this year. Do you have a vision for what things will look like for you 10 years from now? Ooh. Um, <laughs> my my whole MO is visualization all the time. I'm always like, you know, I think that, that I've been pretty, not to sound too hippie about it, but I feel like I've been pretty good at manifesting things because I just visualize the, the results that I want all the time. But mm-hmm. um, And that being said, I also don't think too far out. So... 10 years. 10 gosh, years, a long time. No, but I can say what I hope for Own Trail, really. And this could take 10 years. I don't know. Um, it, hopefully, we'll get a big piece of it sooner. But I want this to really be the place where all women can come, all women and gender non binary people can come and really find the inspiration and the um, and the stories and the guidance and everything that creates the confidence that they need to really, you know, essentially blaze their trail through life. The, the confidence and the solidarity and the compassion for other people's experiences. And everything that can lead to that will be found on own trail. And it will be such a rich interactive space. And it's not a social network. It's not connecting people to people, but it's really connecting experience to experience. And so there's not this kind of like winner take all model of building up social collateral or vying for attention, but it's really like, how can we share our experiences? Where are they interconnected? Where can they um, define each other's experiences and, um, and build that out to be so robust that it really starts to solve some of the big systemic issues that we see in the world that lead to lower confidence and, and lower connection amongst women. I love this. I mean, I'm <laughs> so, so excited. I'm like, when can we start? I'm really proud of you and, and, um, and just excited Thank because so I think much. it takes a lot of courage, right? I mean, you could, you just, you're in such a great um, place in your career and in your life. And a lot of people just kind of phone it in. And yes. you're like, nope, not me. I'm going for it. I'm so excited. It's it's fantastic. And I think, you know, the team that we have working on this, which will keep growing, but it's, you know, I, I didn't mention yet, but Rebecca Lovell is another one of our advisors. I think you know her. And yeah. she's phenomenal. And we have our... Dis- Rebecca's on the podcast next week. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and I was on her podcast on Create 33. <laughs> oh, perfect. I know. And she was so good as a host. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, crap. <laughs> she's fantastic. I love um, Rebecca. Yvonne Chen is this incredible designer who actually did my book cover. And she's been doing the designs for the website, too. And she's just keep an eye on that one because she's an up and coming 
um, she's she's going to be designing a lot of incredible things in the future. So um, I will definitely keep an eye on her. The the team overall is is just so incredible, and so that gives me the confidence to really kind of run with them. And like we're we're all believing yeah. in this, and it's so exciting. Well, as your friend, I can tell you we're totally. I'm totally rooting for you, and oh. I'm sure Shane and the boys are so proud. You're setting such a good example as a mom and as a woman. I will just... I will say in testament to Zillow that I told my boys last night that, you know, I just I just told my manager that I'm gonna be leaving Zillow and Arlo, my six year old, starts bawling. It's and like once, all he's ever known. Well, once I got to the bottom of it, it's the it's the candy wall and the foosball. Oh that's he lost hilarious. it. Yeah. Yeah, like, we can still go by and visit. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to get a lot of candy in our, our new space to, to keep you yeah. happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll come bring you some candy when you <laughs> when you open the doors. I will come bring you candy for sure. It's super fun to get to chat with you and have some one on one time. I always ask at the very end um, the question, "What fuels you?" Since you listened, hopefully you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what fuels me is. All the all the people and opportunities that that I see around me in life, you know, I think that there's there's so much more that connects us than divides us, even though, you know, that doesn't always play out that way right now. But I think we can do something about that. And when when we do connect, there's so much we can do and combining our energy. You know, I just it feels limitless to me. And that's that's really what feels me. I'm excited. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You. 